you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, then you probably saw a little sneak peek into the uh, what what is kicking off, if you will, today's podcast. Um, the sneak peek that you may have seen on my YouTube channel is this. So I'm walking down the street on, in this video. It's a vlog style video. And off camera, my colleague Nasa hands me a phone and said, hey, have you seen this yet? And I'm like, no, what is it? And in real, at real time, then she's recording me watching uh, the podcast, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and they start talking about me. That's right. Yours truly. And Joe Rogan's guest in this moment on the Joe Rogan show is an amazing comedian named Owen Smith. So we did a little video and, and you should go check that out. If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, I don't know what's happening to you. You should subscribe and turn on notifications, but you're in luck because we have since recorded uh, an episode of the show with Mr. Owen Smith himself, and that's what you get to dive into with me today. It was so much fun. We started off by recapping that moment, and we'll, I'll give away a little bit of the goose, but in short, Owen has been paying attention to my work for a long time, and he shared that on, on Joe Rogan's podcast uh, about this adventure, this creative leap that he wanted to take. In short, he wanted to start producing his own stuff, but hey, he lives down in Hollywood and he's a big time fancy television producer, writer, actor, comedian guy. Um, and if you don't know anything about Owen, I'll give you a couple more bullets. So he's performed stand-up on Conan and Colbert. Um, he's a regular at the, the comedy store in Hollywood, that, that amazing uh, comedy club there. Um, as well as the comedy sell seller in New York. And he's written on all kinds of shows uh, like ABC's Blackish, uh, Survivor's Remorse, uh, the Arsenio Hall show going way back, the ESPYs, um, just the list goes on and on. And so I always love it. We never know where our work may travel. And it's always a, a I get a a wave of emotion and enthusiasm when I hear that my work has inspired somebody that I really admire and look up to. So it was really fun to see this on Joe Rogan's podcast. It was even more fun to sit down with Owen and find out about his personal journey from like, hey man, I'm this writer and I'm doing these comedy specials, but I need to get with the program and reinvent myself. So this episode today, if you've ever been interested in reinvention, wanted to transition from one thing to another, uh, had an idea that you wanted to um, get out of your brain or out from your notebooks or off of the sketch pad and make it a reality, this episode is for you. And I imagine um, if there's some people right now going, nope, not interested. That's not me. I don't, I don't know why you listen to this podcast at all. So for everybody else, and I think that means you, uh, stay tuned for an amazing episode. I'm going to get out of the way, but before we do just a little word from our sponsor, and then we're sitting down with Owen Smith. Hey, quick question for you before we get into the episode. Do you feel stuck by any chance? Do you feel like your dreams are are a bit out of reach or you've got more potential with this one precious life than you're realizing today right this moment well you know what i got an idea life isn't about finding fulfillment and success it's about creating it so to that end i wrote a book it's a new book it just dropped in september it's called creative calling and it became an instant bestseller when it was released this past september now, if you dig this podcast, then this book is the perfect, and I mean perfect, companion because it takes the ideas we discuss here in the show, creativity, entrepreneurship, 
how to pursue your dreams and career, hobby, and in life, and it organizes them in a super clever and incredibly practical way that will help you take action. Richard Branson said, if you want to focus on creating amazing experiences, businesses, and relationships, then Chase's book, Creative Calling, is the engaging guide to doing just that. Brene Brown said, Chase's experiences and his commitment to creating make him the perfect guide as we set out on our own adventures to learn how creativity has the power to change everything. Now, those reviews are just the tip of the iceberg, and if you want, you can read a couple hundred more five-star reviews on Amazon. But again, this is not just about buying the book. It's not a transaction. This is about unleashing the most powerful force we have in this world, our creativity. It's so important that we rally as a community around the ideas we believe in. And so if you believe in this show, you believe in the work that I've done in my whole you know, lifelong career as a creator, then picking up a copy of Creative Calling would be so appreciated. And again, most importantly, it's about being a messenger for spreading this message. This is my ask of you. All right, thanks very much for listening. And now let's get back into the show. Oh, and he's in the house. Welcome, bud. <laughs> hey, made it happen. what's happening? <laughs> Happy to Oh, wow, this is happening. It, it is. Honored to be it here. Is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you said, uh, uh, you just said a wonderful word in, in, in whatever. I always have to. Whenever I type that word, I always have to look it up. Inimitable. <laughs> Inimitable. There you go. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, and, and you use it too often, I think, but it's, my, it's one of my favorites, too, because we all are ones, ones of a kind, and, uh, but especially you, my friend. Holy smokes. The, the last 90 days of our relationship has been, um, I think, fun and different, and I, I, thought, I think it's worth recapping how we ended up where we are right this minute <laughs> on the show together. Um, <laughs> So for definitely at home, um, you may have seen if you uh, pay attention or subscribe at my YouTube channel, um, I released a little video because at, at one point, this is like two weeks ago, maybe maybe three weeks ago, my phone just started dinging left and right. And it was like, dude, you're on Joe Rogan right now with Owen Smith, and Joe Rogan. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me because I'm walking down the street and I haven't recorded anything with either of these people. So I don't know how I'm on a thing. And stranger things have happened. On the internet, right? It's a crazy place. So then, right. one of my colleagues NASA, who's running this broadcast right now, hands me her phone, no, and I'm no. watching the podcast in real life. And then she's filming me watch this thing. And then a comedian that I really respect and admire is talking to it, a podcast wow. that I really respect and admire. And they a little bit of shit talking, but mostly saying nice things about yours truly. And I'm like, oh shit! And I think I just jumped on the comments there. And then and Owen jumped in the comments. And short story too long already. Here we are. We made it happen. Owen, thank you so yes. much for on the show, my man. Honored, man. Honored. I would have, uh, I wish I could have been there. I, I really want to meet you in person, man. I've uh, been a fan for a long time. You have uh, inspired me more than you know. Uh, every time I'm, I'm off a project, I always try to acquire a new skill. And it was, you were doing this uh 30 days i should have every day you were released 30 days new interview you did with it yes and i signed up for that i was gonna get this guy my email (laughs) (laughs) and i watched every day i bought books people had i was like what and then i just went into a deep dive of you man and uh when you posted uh, a video of how you shoot those interviews i was blown away because First, it showed me that you pay attention to detail and every little thing matters. And I'm kind of, I'm like that. So I'm like, man, 
and it gave me inspiration to want to shoot more and create more because uh, every couple of years I'll put something out and if it doesn't go well, then I just, I get shy and I won't do it again for it. <laughs> for years. And I was like, man, and, and I was like, who is this guy? He just keeps going. He's so, I love this guy. And so, and then I saw that you had sponsorship and all of this, all these things. And I said, like, he's not in Hollywood. He's making this happen. So, yeah, man, it was, uh, cool. I mean, it was something that I, that I it, the, the, the whole idea came about when um, my, my wife was spring cleaning. Uh, basically means throw away all my stuff. And uh, <laughs> she, she wanted to throw, <laughs> I'm like, and she wanted to throw away my, I have downstairs, I have all these old comedy notebooks and tapes and, and she was like, you don't need this stuff. I go, whoa, whoa, yes, I do. What are you talking about? And going through the notebooks, showing I still, you know, and I started reading some stuff. I go, oh, this is funny. And I started rediscovering things that I, I didn't do uh, or jokes that I used to tell. And, and uh, I was able to talk my wife into letting me keep this stuff. And it was like, it was a big deal to me. I was like, I'm, I'm, and I, I, I felt like at that moment, I knew a lot of my peers had the same experience because I'm not a hoarder by any sense of the word, but I will keep, <laughs> I've kept these notebooks with me for years. And when I started asking my friends, hey man, you got your old notebooks? They were like, yeah. And I started saying, hey, would you do an interview? Immediately, everyone has just been so like, I, I can't wait to do it. And I would go, I went to their homes and I recorded them. And what happened, what ended up happening is it became like this organic conversation into like their origin story. And you can see, you can visually see the comics go back to like 1995 when they wrote that joke. And it, they're like so vulnerable and they can't, it's, it's kind of like looking at, at where you've come from. And it's, then what I got most of them to do too is to perform those jokes on stage in front of a live audience. So it gives, it gave the audience a different comedy experience. The artists, they, they're not burning new material, but they were like revisiting, you know, who they were. And it's just, it's just an amazing experience for anybody who loves comedy or for any creative. And so I was really excited about it. And then when we um, took it around, we got some interest, but, I, but it's this thing where I wanted, I wanted to talk to, like I'm affected by a bunch of different comedians from a bunch of different, like, we we all aspire to do the same thing, make people laugh, but we all use different instruments. We all use different ways of getting there. And so I didn't want to, <clears throat> certain networks only use a certain type of comic. And I've been influenced by so many different types of comedians. So I, I really wanted to be able to, to show all of their processes. So I knew immediately, I was like, I got to take this to YouTube. But I tried for a network play and it just didn't really, it didn't really sink sink out. And so then when Joe brought it up again, because he did it, and, and I was like, you're right. And it took me back to my initial instinct, which was do it on YouTube. And then again, if I can, I wanted to, I, I would love to know what the formula is to get sponsorship. <laughs> so no, talk about it I, all. I just, yeah, I just want to be able to, you know, afford to do it. And because it's also like my love letter to comedy as well, because I I am always fascinated how we all can get how my tribe, I guess, can get people to laugh, but we all use different ways of getting there. And I was fascinated to see like how some people write and what their penmanship is and 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 how some people uh, use their computer now and, 
and their methods of doing it. And it, it just and it just opened up for this great conversation because it's like it's like if you were talking to, you know, another photographer, you know, questions to ask and where to take the conversation that most people wouldn't know. And you would also have their respect. So it's just a, it's, it's not like a, I think the show is, is really great. And we, we, we finished the trailer during this pandemic and we're very proud of it. My son has, my son is three and a half and he's watched it over and over and over again. And uh, he said, uh, he said the word dog shit today. <laughs> so I know I'm in trouble. I know. And he said, it's so sweet. Like, Oh my God. He was like, dog shit <laughs> he just he just nailed it he nailed it i was like no kingston you can't no daddy's gonna get in trouble you can't say that word he goes why i go eh. listen say dog just say dog he goes okay dog and then he got this little look in his eye for a few beats go by and he goes shit <laughs> so he, he, he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing. He's so. got jeans. He's got them yeah. jeans that are like, yeah. He's in there. Oh, this is right now. There. He's hardwiring to become a comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm already in trouble. I know. I know it. But oh, I it's love fun. that. It's been fun. It's a lot of hard work, but I'm, I'm excited. And hopefully we're, we're planning to drop it on April 16th. Um, going back and forth with whether I'm going to drop, drop all, all the episodes at once, which is how people are used to consuming things or, or space it out. But uh, April 16th is the date. It's going to be on uh, Owen Smith TV. Amazing. And uh, you guys can check it out. And uh, if you go to um, textowen.com, I'll, I'll send, I'll, we'll send you, we'll send you an episode early before everybody else. That would be amazing. That's my, yeah. Uh, I yeah. will press that stuff super hard. Go to, and um, awesome. maybe we can put some of these notes in the, uh, oh, it's playing again. Not so I'm watching here. It's being played a video. Um, yeah, that, that blew me away when I got that. I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> we turned like, pretty what? Fast. Oh, shit! <laughs> uh, Nasa, who is running the broadcast right now, turned that like I think she pulled a very very late night so we could get it out the next day. When we saw that, it was thank super, you, Nasa. Super. Salute. Uh, and so, I, part of what is um, fascinating about you know, if you go back to what we were talking about just maybe eight minutes ago, this culture reflecting, you know, different um, different things to different people at different times. And um, it, it reminds me that we are all drawing inspiration from all kinds of sources, right? We're drawing yes. from um, people who are further along in the development as an artist than others and people who are new to the game. And for one reason or another, either they're bold AF or they don't know enough to you know to be concerned with what they're putting out there and the fact that we can draw inspiration from anywhere and from both ends of the spectrum i i love that so much there's this interconnectedness there's a, a humanity part of it a professional um respect and appreciation and it's in a weird way for for little blips the 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 playing field is leveled and it makes me want to in, invest uh the next few minutes in an exploration of your influence. You've said you've you've been influenced by so many different comedians from all different um, walks of life. I would well, would love to know a little bit more about you know your come up story and where you draw inspiration from, and either individual. Oh, oh definitely. Or- yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I I was born in the Bahamas, right, and I was raised in Prince George's County, Maryland. And the first time I touched the stage. 
was in PG County. It's, it's more affectionately known as PG County. One of the most famous people from there currently is um, is Kevin Durant, uh, Dave Chappelle uh, from there, Martin Lawrence. I mean, Dave was I may be born in Ohio, but he lived in. And we just say D.C. because it's easier, but PG County is where. Uh, and he says he's from Montgomery. And then you got Martin Lawrence is from PG County. And so the first time I touched the stage was there. And this is like right when comedy was kind of becoming segregated a little bit, where there were black rooms and then there were mainstream rooms. And so the first time I started uh, was in front of a black room, black crowd. So there were so many, so many powerful comedians and performers that just shaped my beginnings um, that I don't, I'm not too certain I'd be able to sell putting them on a platform like Notebooks. But their stories are so incredible and so valuable. And to me, uh, I'm more inspired by what's interesting than um, than, than who's hot at, at, the, at, the, at the current time. So, um, and so then I moved to Chicago. I moved to uh, the Midwest where I um, started performing more in main rooms. I did Zanies and then there was also a black room called All Jokes Aside. So there were two different types of comedians who performed in each spot, but they both had uh just just they just they both gave me so much just as a performer and um and it was so funny sitting in a lot of what we do on on stage is talking but most of what we do is listening so like i'll be sitting in the back of the club waiting to go up just watching these other acts and i've learned so much about other cultures just from listening to comedians talk about their journey than me um than than me being uh than me just doing all the talking you know what i mean so like i've learned more about like the i like you know my irish comedian friends and italians i've learned more about all of that stuff from just sitting in the back of the on comedy club so in zanies i met people like diana limo rest in peace and i i met some amazing uh comedians i met lewis black i met all all those guys in that space. And all jokes aside, I met like Corey Holcomb and Dion Cole and D. Ray Davis and Hoban. And so all of them shaped like how my funny is, you know? Well, so you, you mentioned early, and I, I want to explore this just for a second, uh, the segregation aspect. There were black rooms and then there were not black rooms. Yeah. And you yeah, black rooms and mainstream rooms. Yeah. Uh, they, but and this... a lot of people didn't work both. And I, I worked both. And so, and what happened as a young performer is I had two acts. I had room for the black room and then I had, I had an act for the black room and then I had an act for the mainstream room. And I just got tired of that. And eventually I, I grew into just having one act. Because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't keep track of, you know, what it was. And that brought me closer into finding out who I am and what it is that I want to say. But yeah, when I first started, I was like, I'd be in the back rooms, just being a lot more animated. And uh, and then I'd be in the in the white rooms. They wouldn't always catch my cultural references. So I would um, try to, oh, oh, I should say mainstream rooms. I would, I would try to talk more about like pop culture things and I figured out a way to, as you do it over the years, I figured out a way to break away from that and figure out what's interesting about me and and, and present that so that no matter who you are, you'll find it. But that's that's like a part of the journey. And that's kind of like what we talk about. That's one of the things we talk about in notebooks. Because when you first start, 
you have to make strangers laugh. And so whatever you see, you may not realize that you are enough. You know what I mean? You may go, what do they like? <laughs> you know, and so oh, I, this is I, even I, within even within the. I'm yeah. sorry, I just love this thread so much because that is the journey that I don't know a creator who hasn't been on that journey. Maybe there's a handful of people that like that are so either self-aware or uh, or self-obsessed that they can keep all the other noise out. But for many of us, myself included, and what I was just meaning from your story is at the beginning, I mean, we're social animals, right? We're creatures. We need to fit in. We want to like, we want to do our yes. own. But we need to be a part of the, you mentioned tribe earlier. We need to like have a community and be accepted. And so you're like, what do they want to hear? I want to tell them what they want to hear. And we're chameleons. And then at some point, and for different folks, it's, it comes at different times, but it's like a fucking lead weight that slams into your head and yeah. says, you got to do you. And that's, you know, it sounds like that's that of all of those different influences to me um, across a variety of, uh, of times. You talked about comedians that have been in the game for a long, long time. And um, I'm sure there, as, as I mentioned earlier, some folks who are just starting out that inspire you. But and also all the different sort of levels of comedy, um, like and oh, yeah. how long do you fig- figure that took you to find your own voice to go from playing well, you, different scripts? Well, you know. Yeah, that's a great question. What I love about stand-up comedy is that you can't cheat it. You cannot cheat it. It um, and so I remember. I, I remember. I was. I, I was a feature act. I was middling for a uh, a headlining comedian named Kevin Norton. Right. He lives in. Uh, he may still be based in Chicago. And we we were performing in the UP, the Upper Peninsula, I believe it was in Michigan. And we both drove separate cars. Like I followed them up there. And uh, this was I was probably doing comedy for maybe three years, and I was killing, but I was not saying anything. <laughs> like you couldn't remember one thing about my act. You just it was just woo, just woo. But if you went back to work the next day, you'd be like, I saw this funny comedian. Oh, what was he talking about? You'd be like. <laughs> he was just, he was just up there, he was, and so, and that, back, and back at that time, the whole narrative was: if you did, you started out, it was a three-person show, and it would be the MC, then the feature act, then the headliner. And the way you got to be headliner is you had to, you, we were told you had to give strong performances in those other slots. So, I was just working on giving my strong show. So I was killing in front of Kevin, and he was doing fine after me. I think he may have. He may have struggled with like one show, right? And uh, but I wasn't like, yeah, you struggling. Like if I was a New York comic, I'm like, yeah, you can't take this heat, cap. But I wasn't. I wasn't. I don't think I was that way. I was. I was a little arrogant in my twenties, but I don't believe I was that way. But he did say to me, he goes, "How long have you been doing comedy?" And I said, I said like three or four years. He goes, "You know, it takes uh, seven to ten years to find your voice." And then he just walked away, and I was like, "I ain't got that kind of time." Like, <laughs> like, and that's how most young comics. <laughs> <laughs> seven to ten years, I'm killing now. Well, I got seven to ten so hours. Right, <laughs> right. I, right. Else. He was so right. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin couldn't have been more, more right. He was so right. And it takes two with, uh, so it probably took me about 12 years, 12 years to become okay and comfortable with who I am. And when I talked to my peers in notebooks, some of them fa- discovered it earlier. And I go, oh, wow. Like, and it's so funny, like, how we all get to those places, but it just takes. But I was raised 
Uh, like, my name's Owen. I have a safe name. You know what I mean? I was raised to be safe. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> for me, so for me to, to say the things that make my friends laugh organically, to be able to say those in front of strangers in a, in a, in a no guilt sort of way, delivery, it took me longer to get to that space to go, this is really what I want to say. And this is going to make all of us have a good time, as opposed to so. But he 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 couldn't have been more right. It takes it takes ten years to find your voice. I can listen to a comedian and tell how long they've been doing it by their almost by their subject choice. You can almost tell by like how far. Because then I would I would want to impress comics who've been doing it longer than me. Like I'd have a great set, and they and they wouldn't give it to me. They would say stuff like um, uh, this one comic would tell me. You you leaving a lot of meat on the bones. Like, what, what does that mean? They laughing, they ate. No, but he was talking about I could go deeper. Another comment would always tell me you can go deeper. No, that stuff used to frustrate me, man. Um, but I finally know what they're talking about. And now I enjoy the process of doing that. And you can see the difference it, you know, when you perform now. It's but yeah, it takes years, man. It's and it's and it. It's always something. It's always something to work on. It's always another thing you can get better, tighten, sharpen. It's it's a never ending. It's almost like a living organism. You know what I mean? Like when we release specials and put them out in the world, that's just a moment in time. If you see me do that material live, it may impact you way more than it did watching it on screen. Because I believe Jay Leno said um, the reason why he's never taped a special is because a little of the magic leaves the room. And a lot of that's true, you know, um, for, for me in particular, if you see me live, that experience will trump, far trump um, watching videos of me just because just being live, is, it's, it's a live art form. But as comedians, we do learn how to be funny on camera as well. It's, it's, it's some things you, you have to learn. When I first started, that took me a long time because I, 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 just, I just made people laugh who are in front of me. And then I would watch it back and go, this ain't funny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. You know what I mean? It's like all these little technical things and you have to get it to a space to where you're not thinking of it. And when I watch people who are like, who have it naturally, I'm like, wow, they got it. You know what I mean? And I just, or and when I watch people who are still raw, but they, you see them snap into it, then fall out of it. I, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. And so, yeah, so it, it takes to answer your question in a long way. It, no, I would honestly say 10 years. Show, man, I yeah. want a long answer. <laughs> yeah, ten, I would honestly say 10 years easily because, and, and what's going to happen is you're going to have great nights, great, but then you'll bump into an older comic who who may be encouraging or, they, or it may seem like they're not being encouraging, but they're, I, I, I was listen to, to the criticisms and you know when people are like you're great because you know you, you can always take the material a little bit further you know you can always take different angles or ways in or it's it's, it's a never-ending puzzle that i love uh you know trying to figure out <laughs> and what i love is, is what you just told a, a beautiful story about the way that comics work and think and it's a hundred percent applicable to any creative journey so there are folks at home where you might not be a comic, but whether you're a photographer, a designer, an entrepreneur, like anyone who's creating anything, I believe deeply. And I wrote about this in my book, Creative Calling. It like what what you just shared with us is mastery. 
when you have actually mastered something and you're 10 years into your thing or whatever, 10,000 hours, whatever the, the thing is, you you can see those, like when you see another comic who's like, oh, he just, he's dipping in and out of it right there. And then, he, or you're someone that when they've achieved it or reached it or they're struggling, like when you are a master at something, you can like teleport into their brain and know exactly what's going on. And so people have asked me on my, my sort of conversations about mastering, and, and there's a lot of things I haven't mastered. Photography is one of them for you, it's comedy. And that's one of the things. So it's a, criteria for being on the show honestly is like you've mastered something and the question is like well how do you know when you have and the, the answer that i give i would be curious to hear your take here is like if you have to ask you have a <laughs> right. because when you master something it, there's literally it's like the matrix it just goes click and then you can it, you can see sort of the future, the past, you can see it all in three dimensions. I don't know if, how, if that resonates with you or not, but it sounded like you were talking. Yes. About oh, yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, you, also, you also just respect what it is you're trying to master. For me, stand-up comedy is one of the most humbling games <laughs> oh. <laughs> around. I wish there was more of a performance aspect to photography. And in oh, a way, yeah. that was why I thrived in the commercial aspect of photography. Yes. More than the fine art, because fine art is you're like, I can do the woods looking for the perfect shot in, you know, you're willing to spend six months looking for it. And commercial, there's it's almost like a performance because there's a hundred people on set and you're, yeah. you know, you're or directing an orchestra. And, and when you look at a performance of a photographer, you're like, yeah, I don't like he's not very good at that. He's just a photographer. But the, the performance aspect of comedy is uh, I am in awe. I'm so inspired by it. It's so humbling of trying to put it out there and figuring the, you know, the journey. But tell me what it's like to do that on stage to discover all this shit in real time with your guts turned inside out. You know, um, when I wasn't talking about anything, I, I didn't feel it. It was almost like. I was I was wasting stage time, <laughs> but when I get up there and I talk about things that are happening and things that are personal to me, and it's it's scary on twofold or or true thoughts or feelings that I have. You're you're scared if they don't laugh, but not so much because you've been doing it long enough. You just go, okay, I need to work on it more. What scares me now more is when they laugh really hard because I'm like, oh, for real, like. <laughs> Because I just shared something, you know what I mean? It also lets me know I'm in the right space, but I was just like, oh, man, I don't know how long I want to keep saying this because it's really it's really a personal admission, you know? Um, and, and, it's, and, and when I talk about how humbling comedy is, it, it always, always there to remind you. Like, I remember one time I did Star Search, right? I'm not a, my style does not really lend itself towards Comp competitive comedy. I'm more of a storyteller, a long-winded person, and and you know if I was a, a set-up punchline um, act, it it, it would lend myself more favorably to a competition style. But I did it, and um, when I got off, um, and it was live like this. It was live, and they said we hit like 25, 30 million people. I'm at the airport, um, going to a gig literally the next day, and people are coming up to me. I flew to that gig. Yeah, they were they were. Real Just time. like that. Real time. I fly to that gig, four people showed up. <laughs> Talk about humility. 
<laughs> yeah, and I had to give them the same show that um, I gave to 25 million people. You know what I mean? But as far as like humility, like, yo, I was because you get on a plane and you're like, yo, 25 million people, heads getting swollen. You get to that room, how many people came? Four. four. What? Two people canceled. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how humbling this game is. Uh, on that level and just in, in so many regards and it's like and you go through so many emotions like when you see your peers you, know, you go through a lot of my friends um can they'll call and they want to be angry but then i we always go well, i always go well what is it that you're not doing or what is it that you could do more of like vent get it out but that's their journey man like are you putting in the work or you putting out tapes you don't know what they did to get that and you can't you know they may fit a specific algorithm that you don't you know it's just you have to be and so when you start mixing all that other stuff with it it can get cloudy but what i'm fascinated about with with comedians is that we don't miss anything so if uh, some of my friends are complainers that's what they do <laughs> i'm not I, I i've never i've never been able to hold an audience for it uh but some of my friends, they 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 could they could have just had the greatest thing, and then they'll find that one thing, and I I kind of love that about them because I go, hey, it's still you, like you got you got all this, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm just fascinated by so it's so many different types of people that come into this, and they all have a different. They have a, a, I can't say it. I keep saying going back to instrument, but they play a different instrument. And but the but the most interesting people are the people who are like uniquely themselves to me, you know. Yeah. And then what are they doing with it is like the other part, right? Yeah. Um, and some people run from it because that's the other thing about for journey, yeah. right? The, the the journey there's the journey of like figuring out who you are, and you watch someone do that, and then there's almost like a second arc of when you figure, okay, great, you figure out who now you're what are you going to do with it? That's a whole separate journey almost. Definitely. And some people I talk to. What's funny too about some comics is you'll watch their act when I mean, they're still trying to figure it out. You go, the act is okay. But when you talk to them off stage, you go, why aren't you talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And so it's just it, it's just a never ending, you know, journey and, and and life and life experiences and all these things. It just keeps giving us more. And the other thing too is that everything that we think of that's funny, it may not fit in the space of stand-up. It may be a funnier film, or it may be a funny, it may be, it may be funniest as a sketch, or it may be funny. So that, that's also interesting, trying to figure out where do you put your, you know, where do you put your funny? Like, um, yeah, because some things I've done, I go, oh man, that, that's going to be more impactful in a visual medium if people can, can see it, you know? Um, and so that that's also an that's like a new thing that I'm I'm discovering now where you go uh this is funny as a as a bit but man if I if this was a this was a sitcom episode whoa look out you know what I mean so yeah it kind of it kind of moves that way too well I um this makes me want to redirect the conversation to uh, what we opened with which Nate, we were talking about your Hollywood you know grounding and that's where. Yeah. Uh, all the comedy clubs and agents and managers and um, made me want to share something. I don't think I've maybe ever shared this, but, um, and it has a lot to do with like finding your own way 
and which is what I feel like we've been talking about, you know, discovering who you are as a, as a creator and that 10 year journey. Um, I also about, I would say in the 2006, seven, eight, maybe eight, nine, 10. Um, I, for some, a number of reasons got pulled into the, um, William Morris Endeavor, CAA, and the super high-powered agent folks, and I was I was making the case of, hey, the you know the next sort of round of celebrity in the world is going to be the people that you've never heard of because the internet's going to give you a direct access into them, and what the Hollywood machine is really good at manufacturing these people, um, but you know watch out because there's a whole new universe, and I think that was a slightly intoxicating idea to agents and talent managers and all that stuff, and we saw the early beginnings of it, but then what, what my, my understanding of what Hollywood is like, okay, great. They just went, you know, a lot higher up on the ladder. And they said like the internet is now the proving ground and you're going to get a late night special. You're going to get all these other things. And once you've, you know, figured it out there. So I think Hollywood respond responded accurately, but I'm going to, you know, the last piece of my story here is when I was in that world, honestly, and I had, you know, I, I bounced around a little bit, but I experienced uh, each of those agencies or probably turned down 10, 10 shows, MTV, Bravo, VH1. Um, and I, I looked at the, the foundations and the mechanics of it and what you had to give up in order to get your own show or to get your own you know, photography special. And and it was a shit sandwich, honestly. <laughs> I, it was a shit sandwich. And the people looked at me like they were giving me like they were bending over and I was in a deep hole and they were handing me a rope and like, you better grab this because this is the last rope that's coming along. And I'm like, that, oh, yeah. that's the shittiest rope I've ever seen. I wouldn't put my hands on that rope. And yeah, disconnect. Yeah. And I actually found that that system didn't deliver at all. And I was hustling way more revenue, more, you know, bigger opportunities than any of these high flying agents or managers were getting me. And I was like, so you want me to pay you X percent for what, what are you doing for me? And yeah. so I, I, I ended up running away. And I think now we're at a world where, again, I think Hollywood basically just ratcheted itself up. And now we got to we really are in a world where there's a ladder to climb. And and I, I want to this is my perception. So now it's sort of reoriented. And I think it's better. But to your point and to Joe Rogan's point, which brought all of us together here today, is like doing notebooks on YouTube, putting out content on a regular basis, whether the show is content or whatever, like just doing shit instead of not doing shit and waiting for shit to happen. Am I alone in this thought? Do you share it? And what would you say about that little rant that I just... Uh, wow, that's a, lot, that's a lot to unpack. I, I well, let's, I'll, I'll start with the last thing and get, work backwards. Uh, as far as... <clears throat> doing shit, I could not agree with you more. And I was just telling my wife that had I not done Joe Rogan's interview, I would not be here right now, right? And had I, and I was just being honest about what influenced me and why I was so bummed about it not doing what I knew it could do. Mm -hmm. um, and when I literally 
got on my phone because I'm I get on Instagram, but I was like, what? I'm connect. Who's what? When I saw that message, I was like, and it's like these constant reminders, like, hey man, keep doing shit, you know, like um, it's 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 so it's like we're I'm about to do a podcast. I'm gonna put that out and see what happens, and just keep moving forward. So that's very important. Um, and, and I think if you, and I think it's almost about what's your intention behind doing the shit. Right. So, because the reason why I haven't been like flooding Instagram with sketches and things of that nature is I I didn't really have a purpose for doing it. And I didn't, because my goal is I want to have an audience so I can come to Seattle and hit y'all up. Hey, I'm performing here and you guys come. So this is a shameless plug, but go to textowen.com <laughs> and yeah. I'll send you some some comedy of mine and you can judge for yourself, see if you want to mess with me. But then I, and that's all I, that's really all I want to do. So I do everything. I'm doing notebooks and all of these things for the, the sole reason so that I can go out a couple of times a year and perform in front of an audience that I can sell hard tickets and fill a room. And, um, and and have that expand to go from a club to uh, theaters, you know, theaters to arenas. And I'm good. I don't need stadiums. I just I want to be able to tell stories and just be funny and, and speak to a crowd. And and so that's 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 my purpose. But when because I, w- I would think of sketches and things, and I was like, yeah, it takes a lot of time. Like, why am I doing this? Like, are people like connecting this with the stand up? Is it two separate things? Am I, so I, I didn't, I struggled with that for a minute, but then once I started going, okay, my purpose is I want to, I want to do stand up because Joe would always, Joe Rogan would always be in my ear like, you're so funny. You should be making this. You should be going out. And he kept doing it kind of like, cause I was starting to let that dream go away. Cause I wasn't getting the, um, the specials on the platforms that people were watching. And, um, so I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do that. And so then I went on Joe's show. I I did the I got the textowen.com. I I set it up, went on there, and I just tr- I just tried it. And Joe said it's gonna break your phone, and it did, man. I got so many <laughs> contacts, it's ridiculous. Um, but the then I ended up um, being able to speak to the head of the company, uh, Ryan Leslie, who who um, created Superphone that I'm using, and he and he gave me some tidbits on how he uses it. It's just it's just been amazing all from me deciding to do something right instead of not doing something. And I just I just um, texted those guys because I wanted to set up something for for this. And uh, they helped me uh, do that. I I may have done it wrong. So be patient. (laughs) I'm still figuring it out. But uh, yeah, but uh, and so and, and it's. Hey, that's awesome. Yes. Hey, yes. That's and then my perfect. Phone dinging. <laughs> that's perfect. So I'm gonna let you know when I'm up there and, and we can fill a room up there and have a good time, man. That's that's really all I want to do. And um and we'll, so we'll, we'll party, we'll get together with all this. I love it. Over. We're gonna get together. Yes. Room. I well, cannot we'll, wait. I yeah. cannot wait, man. And then as far as the Hollywood, it's twofold, right? Um I feel like when you get with a big agency or an agent or, or what have you, it helps your confidence. They, um, I can, I'm gonna speak it. I'm gonna speak to it from the creative standpoint. Yep. You, you all of a sudden you get you on. It's like relationships, right? So you start getting a pipeline to having meetings with other people, 
in in positions to green light, what have you, right? And it's, I used to work the college market a lot. And in the college market, there's a new person in charge every two to four years. That's mm-hmm. kind of like how it is here. But all you need is like two or three allies who really are a fan of your, your whatever it is you do and are pushing for you. And you never know where they're going to end up. So in getting with those people, you get to meet all these folks and people, they start watching you and you forget about things of that nature. So when I sold my first series to ABC, the people in the room who were the buyers were people that I had done work with years before. So it was a warm room. I go, oh, oh, y'all over here now? So it was one of those things. So they bought my show in the room, which was a tremendous thing for, for how this town works, right? It was a big deal in that space. We write the show. It was, it was, a, it was a, a tough experience, but it was a experience I always wanted to see what it was like for me I'm, I'm a person like I want to know like what like what is it and is there a way I can make it more efficient like what what are all these why do these people have these jobs what do they do what do they add I'm curious about just all of that before I just write it off so I had that experience and it was hard but it was but I got to, but I got to meet some great people I met a I got, they partnered me with a guy named Saladin Patterson, who is incredible. And I, I, I look forward to doing work with him in the future. So it's just, it, it is like, it's, it's a weird shitty sandwich, right? Yeah. But, but, but there's so parts of it, you, there are parts of it that you keep because there's other people eating that shit with you. <laughs> so, so those people, like, they kind of go, you go, all right, well, we're going to do something together. We gonna, and you, you start to carve out your world where you know you guys kind of have the same value system work ethic but yeah man it's tough and the same goes with representation and and all of that and 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 the it's it's tricky it's really tricky but my mindset has been like i'm a comedian first so all this other stuff is a bonus like if i get hired to write on a show great if i don't Okay, <laughs> like I'm yeah. literally not. That's not my. That's not my life's. You know that that doesn't define me. But I'm honored to be there, and I'm. I can't believe because I used to watch so much TV, so I can't believe I get an opportunity to create. It's like the weirdest thing. Like my wife told my son the other day, "Don't watch too much TV." I go, "Hey, it worked out for me." Like, <laughs> watch TV, man. <laughs> It'll pay you back. I, I'm me and TV. We all right, you know. So, I, you know, but um. But I do have friends who all they wanted to do is is be a writer. So when when I'm with them, their passion for it, it it rubs off on me and I, I get it. But again, at my core, I'm a, I'm a stand up. So if I got fired from a show and I'd ask back, I'm like, hey, all right, I talk about it on stage. It's funny. Like it's it's a it's not I don't feel like it's it's over. Um, but, yeah, it's it's far as like. Your your age and stuff, it's it's tricky, man. It's so it's so tricky. And at the end of the day, you just start doing the math and you go, Do I need you? Yeah. Do uh, I need you? And yeah. I want to to be fair, like I'm actually I think it's really improved a lot in the last five I'll call it five years. Yeah. Mostly referencing to like seven or eight years ago when they still thought they were the shit and they were like way behind what was happening. Yeah. 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 
I'm going to get you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting a page here. One second. (laughs) They were just, they felt like a different anachronistic, like they were living on a different planet. Yes. What was going. But now I think that they've, they've corrected. And I do think that those are services that are valuable. But to me, the most like what I want to put a bow around and I'm going to hug onto is that, that you just described the, who are you at your core and what makes you sing like and not just literally sing but like you're like man i'm just i'm content and happy i want to be able to provide for myself and my family but making comedy is and whether four people show up or 25 million or you know if i can do this every night or i can only do it one night a week or the closest thing i can get to being on a stage is is you know doing it on video first then i'm willing to do all those things and anything else is extra writing great all this stuff and to me that is just like that is around who you know you are and when you it's also like it references what we were talking about earlier with that 10,000 hours and you can tell someone who's settled into like I'm good with whatever works out it doesn't work out on this show or these other things like I know who I am and you can have preferences right you can hope the shit works out but if it doesn't your your identity is not crushed into spaghetti no. Um, I want to take just a second because I have been doing a very bad job at letting you and the internet know that we're watching. And there are people from New Zealand, from Toronto, from Canada, oh, wow. uh, from Tampa, Florida, from Ybor yeah. uh, City. <laughs> I um, uh, I'm just scanning here. Italy. I hope wow. you guys. Oh, please. Yeah, be safe. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, again, I'm doing a very Boston, um, Norway, Oslo, uh, I'm just, I'm doing a bad thing, but just every once in a while, I forget that there are people from all over the world paying attention. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. Um, there, a couple of comments in particular stand out to me. One is just this, uh, an understanding and um, I lost it here because there's so damn many, but, um, I'll find it in a second or Nasa, maybe you can surface it to me. Just that all of our journeys are individual, but the same. Yeah. You know, what you just described around comedy is, is virtually exactly my journey as a photographer. And wow. I hope that that is a uniting thing about that creative spirit in all Definitely. of us. Uh, Torben says, this is a great talk. I'm learning from all different career paths. We're all different and very similar struggles to quote, make it. It's a similar journey for every creative in my opinion. So. Yeah. What you're saying is sticking. Um, hey, Nasi, you can shoot up a couple more questions to me. I'll pay attention, and they just flash on the screen too fast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the back, mic back to you for a second, Owen, and I would like you to tell me a story about your biggest bomb on stage, because uh-huh. I'm terrified of the like. We all, you know, failing or even temporary failing is scary and painful, but yeah. I, I look at stand-up comics and I'm like, oh shit, you're in front of all these people and you're trying to figure it out and it's not working. Like, can you describe that for me? Is that too painful? No, I, I, man, I bombed so many times. I can tell you, it's like pick one. I should do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two. Right, one that I had in a, uh, a, a urban room and one that I had in a mainstream room. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll do the urban room first. There was a room in the suburb of Chicago, and and here's the thing, I block this stuff out, and I think that that's like how you keep going. So I don't I don't remember. 
Some I people remember I the specific. I don't want to be doing shit. If this is too painful, you can. No, you, no, it's not like on uh, the morning show. It's not. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be fine. But, okay. uh, but no, I'm saying as far as like remembering details and like the the I want to say the name of this place was called KJ Riddles, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And um, on Sunday night, uh, I think D Ray used to host it. It was a it was like a black show, but it was like younger. Uh, maybe like 18, like just like everybody, like the music is like, is just really hype. At the time I was probably like 28, 27, 28, maybe 29. And it was younger and it was blue collar. Right. And mm-hmm. when I was, when I stepped on stage back then, I just smelled like college. I looked like, I think I wore slacks. I would tuck my shirt in. So just off my look, general i'm getting booed like (laughs) they don't want to hear what i have to say and um i went on stage and i think i was doing my i was doing my act and i could feel and when you're not getting energy back it can mess up your flow back then too i was very dependent on the audience accepting me because i could kind of i could kind of dive into that acceptance and find my way through and uh, i remember it was just one person boo another boo then they all just collectively just started booing me and I got so mad that I didn't leave. <laughs> I just stayed on stage. <laughs> I stayed on stage. I took the boo. I took the boo. And I think the host was coming back. I was like, nah, man, nah, let him boo. And I took it back to PG County. I was just like, who's booing? I started looking at who was booing. And I, I broke whatever it was I thought I was doing. And I went at a few people like I was back on the corner. And then they were like, oh, shit, this dude. And I ended up getting them back. But it was such an unsatisfactory get back. Like, I didn't know if they like. It was just a weird thing. And I know the comics that were there that night. When I got off stage, they were looking at me like, I've never seen no shit like that before. Because <laughs> I, <took the>, I, <laughs> I took the boo, didn't leave, and then just got them back. And then I just went home. and just, and But then I was just so like angry and confused. I was like, what can I do with that? I can't do that act. I can't, I, I can't do that every night. Where, you know what I mean? Like, I was just so, like, so I was so just frustrated. Uh, and then, but once I, but I had a goal, like, I wanted to go back and win that room. And, um, oh, oh, I got another bad boo story, too. When I first started, <laughs> I, I saw, I went to Notre Dame, right? And I went to Notre Dame when Jerome Bettis was there. Oh, wow. And uh, I did stand-up comedy. I got I was doing stand-up comedy on campus, which was one thing. You're doing material about dorms and all this. It's just a very insular uh, uh, space. Everybody, ha-ha, so funny. I got asked to do comedy at a nightclub called Kevin's on the Hill. And, uh, and I remember everybody came from Notre Dame. Like, Jerome Bettis came. All these athletes came. And it was a dance club. And in the middle of dancing... Some the DJ took my oh y'all y'all feel like some comedy and I was like what <laughs> you're like no give it up for uh uh from Notre Dame uh Owen Smith and these are the these are what they call them townies they did not on a social space they didn't really care about anybody from Notre Dame but I see Jerome Bettis sitting right in the front and all these people and I'm standing on the dance floor with the flickering red <laughs> blue and green like it's it's the worst way to light somebody ever especially of my complexion it's just like it's looking like I'm and then everybody, like, they were dancing, making moves on the, on the girls they were dancing with. They didn't want to stop to hear any jokes. 
And then back then I was mad clean too. I was like, man, how's I, and I did my Notre Dame material. You ever been in the dorm and uh and this one dude said, man, fuck Notre Dame. <laughs> I was like, hey, hey, oh, yo, who said that? Hey, oh. And I didn't know. I was so new. I didn't really know how to come out of heckler. So I tried to I tried to extend the olive leaf. I said, come on, man. Let a brother, come on, man. The brother's trying to do something now. And uh Jerome Bettis, I remember him laughing so hard at me eating it. And then it just I could not get another word out there. Like, man, get off that. We tried that. that. All right, all right, y'all, thank you. Good night. And everybody was like, man, we came up here for that. So that was my, my work. <laughs> and I, that scared me away from the stage for like nine months, but it kept calling me and I, went, I came back. I did, but I did not do stand up for about nine months after that. Then the boo there. And then my mainstream boo was when I first came out to Hollywood. My, I, I, I never got booed in the mainstream room. They're too polite for that. But I tanked in front of industry. Wednesday, uh, they used to have industry night at the improv on Wednesdays. And um, I bought this dumb green shirt. I remember it was like this silk green shirt, and I, but I thought it looked good. I don't know why. And I went on stage and uh, there was no audience really. It was like like four bitter comics in the front, a big moat, and then industry all in the back, like all just sitting on the high top, just like sitting. And uh, I go on stage and man, you could see the sweat. Bing, bing. Like when you stop bombing, like my armpits were getting wet. I was, I was sweating out the armpits of the dumb green shirt. I just looked so stupid. And I'm just, ah, yeah. and I started pushing. I started just trying to have like a mental record of like when these bits killed. And I tried to emulate that performance really fast. And it just made it all worse. And I was just, just a blathering thing of sweat. And when I got off stage, Billy Gardell was next. He's on Mike and Molly. And now he's on, um, What's the name of the show? Uh, 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 I can't think of it on CBS. He has another sitcom on CBS um, with Gina Yashere. Ah, I can't think of it. But uh, he was standing and he goes, welcome to Hollywood. Because I used to work with Billy on the road. He goes, welcome to Hollywood. And he went up and he killed oh. And in that setup. And that's when I, I was like, oh. Because when I first moved here for the first six months, I didn't feel funny. I was not connecting with the audience. I had to do a gig out of town to get like major laughs. Oh, okay. I, for me personally, I was pushing too much because I'm six five, so I'm already a, a presence. No and shit. And I was just, yeah, I know I got a, I got a five eight torso. I got a short torso, but I'm six five, and I'm up there like, uh, you know, just trying to. You know, I don't know why, and it just wasn't working. And once I made some adjustments. I started being able to kill in like any kind of environment. And I remember one time we were doing uh, Miyagi's. Uh, it was me, Leslie Jones, who's now a big, big star now. Leslie Jones. And Leslie was doing the pushing thing. So she she went in front of me and she wasn't connecting. She ended up saying like, man, fuck y'all. Y'all ain't shit. And she got off stage mad. And I went on last. I closed it out. And I knew, I learned from watching Billy how to, and, and Miyagi's was not set up for comedy. It was basically like a sushi dance kind of spot. And it was like, like people here, and then a moat, <laughs> then like a dance floor, and people. I don't it was know like the weirdest restaurant, a fucking yeah, castle. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. And so, but I was, but I was able to destroy that room based on what I watched Billy do when I saw that big moat experience. And so Leslie came up to me like, yo, I want to learn how to do that, son. <laughs> you killed that bitch. And so that's when I knew she was going to be famous because she was, she had humility. She was like, man, they ain't like me, but yo, you, how'd you do that? And so she became my friend like 
immediately, like right there, right off that spot. But uh, yeah, man, I man, I, I could probably I should write a book on how many times I've eaten it, especially when you when you try to like when you discover who you are and you want to like go a little deeper. Sometimes the crowd might be like, hey, what is this? <laughs> but there's so much wisdom in everything you're saying. So much wisdom. And that I think it's so that's why I asked the question, because it's so pre- it's so raw and in your face when you bomb as a comic. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Trying to be funny. And if it's not landing, it's just like, shit, I just got to hang up. And yeah, yeah, to clear your sinuses. Get the airline person to change a ticket, and the person's like, no, it's going to be $200. You're like, shit, it's just easier to hang up and call again and try and get someone nice. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, but bombing is good for you too, man. So Especially, good. It, it helps reset. You're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm, okay, maybe I'm not. That's what I mean by humbling. You're like, oh, maybe I'm not as, uh, yeah, we all go through it. Especially when you try to go deeper, get all the meat on the bone, all of that stuff. You know, you have to figure out, especially in this climate now, too, where there are a lot of people like I had I had one of the one of the most awesome compliments. And, I, you know, you try not to pick them up. But one time I, was, I got off the stage at the comedy store, I was going to my 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 car and, and uh, it was a woman. And she goes, uh, I'm a feminist and you were so fucking funny. You I loved you. And I was like, OK, like, you know, but she but you could tell that she was. It was kind of like I feel like she may have like complained about the the club before too. So I was very happy that what I was saying didn't like alert her. Uh oh, we gotta cancel this. You know what I mean? But I, but I wasn't even trying to cater to that. I was just talking about my thing, and I'm so I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Thank you. You know. But I was like, who who who, who didn't you like? And <laughs> oh man, I, and this is there's something that like you can't you can't. Um... Road testing something is pure gold. Yeah. You're getting feedback as a creator. You put stuff out there and having a thick, you know, sometimes you put stuff out there and it's crickets and tumbleweeds. You're like, okay, noted. I didn't do enough to prepare or build my audience, or there's all kinds of things that you learn from that. Or if you do put something out there and you get a range of feedback, it's like 180 degrees. And we're like, I love it. I hate it. And you can talk to you can when you talk to these people face to face or eyeball to eyeball. I don't know if this is your experience, but if I give a talk and I come off stage at South by Southwest or something, there's a hundred people want to talk, and you're getting like feedback and different pieces. And you you when you're like this to somebody, you're like you can watch their pupils like dilate. This is <laughs> feedback, right? And then I'll, I'll go back to maybe a meeting at Creative Live, like oh I think we should do, that. and I'm like, nah, because I've, I've talked to ten thousand people face. Yeah. And I know what they want, and someone else is maybe is sitting back in a you know in a chair somewhere in a conference room or um, not putting it out there, and they're thinking about things or doing that from the couch. You can't actually get that kind of feedback from the couch. It's about being in your case in the room or you know getting feedback eyeball to eyeball. There's nothing like it, and you don't get that from sitting back. You have to be forward, right? Duh, so true. That was one of the things that I felt gave me an, an advantage when I did start writing in rooms because a lot of people, you as a comedian, you don't realize how much we travel. Like I performed in every state except Montana, right? Like more than once. So I performed on farms. I performed in like wherever, every place I've done. And so when I would be in rooms and I would hear someone go, they won't get this in the Midwest. I'm like, what? Yes, they would. And they would be almost offended that... <laughs> <laughs> that this is what you want to deliver. They, they get it. Like I, I just came from there. 
like you know and no i was just there yeah the same act i did here uh in front of you guys here they got it more like they were just so happy that and so it was like this weird like where do these things come from where people go you know they wouldn't get it here i'm like oh no no they would just 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 keep keep it and so i but i but i had this like I don't know, this validation, this interior, like this clock, like, no, that, that'll fly. That's, you know, That's you, should, you should actually go more. You, you, this is, I'm, I'm hearing this also so present in everything you say, is it's like there's this intuition of this works for me, that doesn't work for me. This is, I don't know quite yet who I am. I got to put in more time. And as soon as you know, you know, there's this intuition that is so present in everything you're saying to us today. Um, do you, is this something you overtly acknowledge or is this something that's working in the background? Like, how do you, how did you learn to trust yourself? Cause clearly that is a key asset for you. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, you know, you know, I think how I learned to trust myself is by listening to other people, like, like letting other opinions trump what I initially felt and then, oh man, I should just listen to my, my gut, you know, um, you do things and it turns out poorly and you're like shit I'm, it's like should listen to my gut yeah yeah when you do something that someone else says is the right thing it is it, it's against what you believe you just do that a few times and you're like i'm listening to me <laughs> yep yeah and you know what else it came from too as far as comedy right like to me um how i know something is funny is it's a very personal conversation with myself right like if it organically makes me laugh then now my now my next task is to figure out how to convey the same emotional feeling to strangers, like to people who don't already know me and love me and kind of know my, you know, how I speak and, you know, all that stuff. Like to people who have never met me before, how do I convey that to them, right? So that's kind of like the task. But I know it's a funny thing. So when I was a kid, I used to try to like make my mom laugh. My mom would never, she never gave up anything. She'd just be like. (laughs) Cold mom. Yeah, oh, tough. Or she would go, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's... And it got to the point where if my mom was like that, like, I knew it was funny. You know what I mean? But, but at first, I'm like, well, maybe. But then I would go, stop trying your jokes out on your mom. <laughs> but I also knew if she didn't like it, I was probably in the right space. Because as a parent, she was looking at it through a different lens, you know? And... Um, so, but but that kind of helped shape me, like listening to my instinct, like and then just being in so many situations where you go, yeah, I should have listened to my instinct. I and then you just immediately just go, man, let me just listen to that, you know, and um, yeah, and then you want to surround yourself around people who love you, who can tell you, hey, that might not be right, <laughs> and then, yeah. but then. So true. That conversation can like, create a different creative thing, and which I prefer. Yeah, yeah. People I've been on truth or gold, man. Yeah, gold, yeah. Gold. I, you know who gave me that lesson too? Who let me know that was a great place to be? Ice Cube, man. Whoa, Ice Cube. Yeah, Ice Cube's giving yeah. up your pain. Yo, let me tell you. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I worked on his show. I wrote on his show. Are we there yet? That was my first Writers Guild gig, right? Where well, I'm, I'm. Uh, where I'm a part of a union. And uh, Cube w- w- was in the show, so I would be writing stuff for Cube. And it was, like, in- it was, I wouldn't say it was intimidating. I just was so in awe of him. But Cube is not, his energy is, like, he laughs really hard at funny stuff, but he does not, like, waste words. Like, he won't do, 
he well, he's not a small talk kind of guy. Like, hey, the weather's kind of crazy. He would just be like, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wouldn't, he wouldn't small talk with you. He'd be like, yeah, it's crazy. So um, he was performing in New York. And he got me tickets to go see. And I love, I love. And so he was doing his material in New York. And the crowd wasn't really. In New York, they, they um, you know, they started hip hop. So West Coast cats performing. You were kind of, I was kind of getting that energy. And I was like, man, like, I'm having a good time. People are having a good time. But I, at that moment, I go, I much rather would have seen this show in Los Angeles. Where people would have been crying and like, oh, okay, you know. And so we go back on set and I see him after the concert and I go, man, thank you, man. And I said, I really, I really enjoyed myself. And he said, for real, because that was our worst show. And because uh, he knew what I knew, like they and he we just we briefly talked about just how, you know, New York, they're very protective over being the birthplace of hip hop. So. Even though Cube was doing the hits, they could only give it up so much. And you just you just felt it that night. But the yeah. fact that he acknowledged it spoke volumes to me. Like, I was like, yeah, I know it was weird. So we had a nice conversation just about that. But that's how I know. That's why I feel like he's so successful. And when he puts out his content, because he's like, he all, he's, he's very in tune to what the audience wants and kind of can block out the noise of, the executives who were saying, well, it should be this and it tests better, but this way. He's like, because he can he can sit back and look at it as an audience member and go, if I'm watching this, I want to see this. So this may not um, be on your notes or in your mandate or what have you, but this thing needs to be in here. And that's why he connects, and which brings it full circle as to like you doing your own product you don't have to <laughs> listen to all that stuff which is so no. empowering man it's almost like the most valuable people don't know their value you know what i mean it's like it's one of those things where when i sit there and i talk to joe about when he's like you don't need it you don't need it and it's like yeah i, I, I it's so inspiring to see cats just put it on their back and go yeah man this is what i'm doing i'm speaking to my crowd and it it grows and I, I hope to have that same type of impact. Oh, uh, and I, I gotta and tell you, just, not just, an accident yeah. when Joe Rogan calls you one of the best comedians alive. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he doesn't say shit. He's like Ice Cube. He's cold. I know. He doesn't like he doesn't need to say stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like uh, it came out of nowhere. It was a great compliment, man. It's two. I have two friendships that I. I never, I never imagined having, um, but I'm so, I'm blown away and giddy. Like every time I text him, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try and do that with you. I'm gonna try. And yes. Oh, please. Yes. And we have great uh, conversations and, and, but him and and Neil Brennan. I remember when my friend um, Kyle Grooms, great comedian, was. Uh, he, he would text me from the set of The Chappelle Show because I lived in L.A. at the time and, and he was living in New York. He was like, I'm watching Dave and him shoot this sketch. So crazy. And every time I would talk to Kyle, he'd be like, Neil said this and Neil said that. And I'd be like, I want to be friends with Neil. <laughs> I said, Neil sounds cool. And so then uh, one day I'm just sitting in the back of the comedy store and Neil walks in. I go, oh, that's Neil. No, that's not even how it happened. I'm sitting there. And this guy sitting, he's sitting next to me. And I'm like, just look. And he just starts talking to me. I go, oh, that's Neil. What's up? And we just organically just started talking. 
And then, like, maybe a week or so later, he goes, hey, man, take my number. Put my number on your phone. I was like, hey, that's Neil. So I was like, hey, I'm friends with Neil. And this is, like, it's, like, the funnest friendship. <laughs> so, um, and then Joe, I would I would hear this. I'd be on stage and I'd hear this cackle. He has, like, an undeniable laugh. I'm like, is that Joe? <laughs> and I would just do my act. And then, um, but he would, he would always leave. I would never really talk to him. And then one day, he was just like, dude, you're so fucking funny. He just was, I was like, I thought that was you. He would watch me because I would go up after him. And it just, it just, it was like this validation because, like I said, I'm, I'm in this space now. I'm talking about stuff that's true to me, and you know, and and I'm, I'm really excited to to talk about it and excited to find like where I can take it. And when you do that, it it, it attracts things of that nature as opposed to when I first got out here and I wanted to be liked and I wanted everybody to, you know, whatever. But I didn't know what I was talking about. But now, like you know, what I'm saying, I'm genuinely like. Like I, I talk about being married. I want couples to stay together, and I want to talk about the stuff that we <laughs> that we not supposed to talk about. But but not but not from a space of like, man, you know, my wife is terrible because I love. It took me years to find my wife, and I think that that resonates with audiences, uh, even people who aren't married. You know, because I'm not beating up on what that is because I've been single longer than I've been married, but. It's just fun, man. Oh, I love that. You got a you got a video on Vimeo that I watched uh, about. I think it's called Seven Jokes to Know. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just beautiful, and and they're cut from you know different size venues and different genres and and different rooms. And, you know, in line with what you're talking about earlier. I just I yeah. love that piece. It's beautiful, and uh, I know you get to work with your wife as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm. I think we're probably gonna. We may do a podcast together. Like we really like. Um, what Tom Segura and his wife are doing, but I'm so nervous that it's gonna start arguments in our house. <laughs> That's the only reason why I've been hesitant. Cause like <laughs> I would say stuff on the podcast, and I'm afraid to say to my wife as my wife. I'm like, hey, listen. yeah. As soon as you like, <laughs> like, what in? Yeah, she'll be talking to you to, to the next episode. So my wife has to talk to me. Guns blaze <laughs> next episode. You just right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I, I think, she, I think she'll be phenomenal with that. Like she's just so immensely talented, and uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm still, you know, figuring. We're still figuring out what because I have all the equipment. It's just like, when am I going to do it? Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go full circuit here because we started out this episode talking about. Uh, your conversation with Joe Rogan yeah. about him telling you to do a thing that he knows that you were wanting to do. And you're like, ah, I don't know. And then I saw this knucklehead named Chase Jarvis just putting out <laughs> Some of it worked, some of it didn't. But I'm, I'm thinking about maybe. So I'm just telling you, there are people right now from Denmark. We got, I, I, I blew up, I, I did a very bad job last time. And we got Macedonia in the house, Malta, Cyprus, Denver, Liverpool. Tampa, Boston, we, we got people, uh, the, the global, the planet is basically sending a message to me, to you, yes, to start doing all of this stuff. And I know Notebooks has come out, you got a trailer for that, I know that's yeah. soon, it's not on the internet yet, is it? It's private, is that real? No, I sent you guys a link, I sent yeah. you guys a link, but it'll be on Owen Smith TV, after we hang here, I'm just going to put the trailer up live, Okay. and then uh, April 16th is when we're going we're gonna to okay. launch it. And uh, we're still going back and forth with whether, and maybe you, you guys can tell me what you want, if you want all the episodes at once or if we should do one uh, a week. And that's only because 
me and my editor Matt Silfen, we're, we're doing it ourselves. <laughs> so, so, beautiful. And I yeah. want you asked before we got on. You said I want to know how you got a sponsorship. And yes, it was exactly. Uh, and I'll tell the short version because I realize that I'm keeping you longer than I promised I would. But there's like I put. You know, you talked about Joe put this on his back and just like walking. I started to do that, and people say, um, "Well, we, we like we like what you're doing, but uh, you know, um, how much would it cost to sponsor the show?" And I would just throw out a crazy ass number, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, geez, so you know, sorry, we could we could sponsor a TV show for that." And I'm like, "This is better than TV. Thank, totally get it. Have a great day. Appreciate." It. And they would then someone else would come and like, "Well, we we operate on the CPM model, which is." You know, per thousand views, you know, how many dollars we, and I'm like, great, the show doesn't operate like that. You might operate like that, but my show doesn't operate like that. So yeah. have a good day. And for the first, did it two years with nothing. And we're getting like, you know, 25,000 people showing up for these live shows and 50,000 people showing up for these live, this is on the internet in 2010. Incredible. And, you know, would you compare that to 25 million, which you talked about performing in front of our live television? any shit, but 25,000 people watching a thing or 50,000 people, it's not that there is like some gigantic number. It's not 25 million, but this is 50,000 people who really care. Yes. They're going to sit there and they're going to watch 90 minutes of this shit. And then they're going to go off being pitchfork card carrying members of the, of the show or of Owen or fill in the blank. And yeah. so my, I basically just started, like, just doubled down on doing the stuff until people realized that, oh, a person doing the thing they're put on this planet to do is really valuable in any industry because you can smell it. You can feel it. If someone's doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, yeah. and I think that's what Joe was telling you on the show is like, this thing, this notebook, like, you know how it made him feel. And he's yeah. very accustomed to when something feels right, right? There are people, oh, yeah. you said it earlier, you want to surround yourself with, with people who have done more than you've done or who are inspirational to you. If you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, spend some time with some good people. Like your wife is that people. Like to me, I think the world is telling you that and what you don't know what's going to come out of it. Right. You have no. Yeah. And for me, it wasn't the individual show or it wasn't the sponsorship. It was that it basically created everything that I have right now. And by have, I mean like the community um, read of live, the fact that there's a that platform where 20 million people learn how to take pictures and pursue the shit that they care about. It started out from like, I don't know, maybe we should put some shit on the internet. That, that'd be cool. Let's make a video. So I'm just telling you that there are people from, I just listed like 20 countries and 10 cities that want you to do this. Yeah. So please. it's happening. It's definitely <laughs> happening. Yeah. Good. That's great. I'm a creative live member too, man. Oh. I, took, uh, I took some podcast classes. <laughs> sure Love did. Well, um, I didn't get to a lot of questions. Um, just know these questions are out there in the world. Torben wants to know what's the biggest obstacle. We had a lot of questions about agent. Is you know is that coming back? Is it worth that? Uh, we had right. people asking questions about. Um, in the parroting the line, is it fake it till you make it? And of course, I'm a big fan of no make it till you make it. That's this right. Whole last yeah, plan. I love that title. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of grateful people out there for sharing and being vulnerable and telling stories about bombing. And man, 
<laughs> anything I can ever do to to stay close to you, I'm doing it. And I'm I'm sorry we couldn't make this happen. I know for those folks at home who didn't know, like Owen was going to come to Seattle, we were going to do the whole thing and arrange yeah. a show, do all the stuff around it. But that's that is the next time we get together. It's going to be love it, man. I can't wait, man. Thank you so much. Yes, oh, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon. And let's just recap. Uh, text Owen. Textonline.com. I saw some people doing this on their chats. I don't know if this will work. Can y'all see it? Yes. <laughs> that was so shameless. Textonline.com. Man, I'm I wish, I wish it was attached to a charity. I'm not there yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I would, I would donate. I will, I would do something funny for any charity. And then notebooks. It drops on the on the 16th. Where's it? Here we go. Notebooks, April 16th, on uh, Owen Smith TV. And uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it. You're gonna hear about it. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah, make sure you have my digits as soon as we get off the show here. And uh, that stuff drops. Or if there's anything I can do to to promote me or Enter Creative Live, we'll push it out. Congratulations on on Thank all you. success. You're crazy, crazy talented, inspiring. Thank you. And uh, amazing human. I'm grateful to know you, buddy. Thank you. Same, same. Thank you, Nasa, for for showing them the video. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yes, y'all. Time for another episode right, of the safe. Live Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you again yes. next time. Yes. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here, whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Um, not only do these shout outs, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at creative live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.